0: Hello, the internet. The following story takes place in the 26th century, seven or eight hundred years after the events of the short story Malachi's Gambit, in my first short story anthology, and about 1,300 years before the events of the final fall of man. It is centred around a Blarin thief and escape artist who would one day become a criminal folk hero named Grendel's Grief. Part Four. They were actually sisters, Mulren and Blaren, although how they'd managed to maintain that dynamic was a very old and deeply hidden secret. Provenance, circa 11th century, was a high-ranking and well-connected Mulren of a truly ancient Mygoni family. Her sister was named Babellum Voom, and had been since her switch to the Blaren species. She occupied a similarly lofty position in the Blaren Corsair Underworld as her sister enjoyed in the Mulren Fleet. Somehow they managed to maintain their respective positions in each world, and that was maybe the scariest thing about them. Well, it was in the top 10 scariest things about them. It was difficult to place their ages, and Grief knew from myth and folklore that it was dangerous to even try. They were both between primes, almost certainly second and third, because they had been around too long to be between first and second. But they weren't faded out by the long years between primes that usually made Molronoids old. They were straight, strong, vital, and full of calm confidence, The security station might have been their own private living quarters. Babellum Voom was practically unchanged from the Molren baseline, aside from a jagged articulation in her ears that made them resemble bat wings far more than the standard webbed appendages, and a faint shadow of patterning dark and light on the skin of her face. Grief had heard that something had happened during Voom's selection of her specific blarin augmentations. Nobody dared speak of it. Nobody knew what her change was supposed to signify. Everybody who'd known had been killed. Anybody who asked, disappeared. Provenance, circa 11th century didn't just adhere to the Molren baseline, she practically was the Mulran baseline, definitive and superlative. It was entirely possible that if she changed the coloration of her ear webs or the length of her fingers, the rest of the species would slide a negligible but notable distance towards the abnorm end of the spectrum. She didn't occupy any known rank in the fleet, but she was an authority figure on planet and world ship alike. Voom stepped into the cell next to Grief's, and seated herself placidly, and a brief flickering of the lights indicated that her cell's front wall was sealing although it remained transparent. The Bunkle lockup was a standard chrysanthemum security system. Two rows of cells facing one another across an access corridor, the rear walls constructed of solid hull plating and affixed with a bench that extended through each row. The bench had a small toilet fixture for each cell. The dividing walls between the cells and the walls facing the corridor could be adjusted to be seen through and heard through, while remaining quite impregnable. The gaffer had left all possible walls this way when he departed, as if to highlight the fact that Grief was the first and only troublemaker on the entire station, at least until the Wicked Sisters had shown up. Provenance, circa 11th century stood in the aisle between the cell rows. Both pairs of arms folded, and her nostril slits pinched tight, every inch a law-abiding Mulran ensuring the incarceration of two Blaran ne'er-do-wells. Her calm-faced sister was casually folding something that looked like a small, very dead, furry animal between her lower hands. For a short time, this silent tableau endured. The gaffer is in ever such a state, Providence circa 11th century eventually declared. He gets so cross when the natural order of things gets disturbed. He's always had such a temper, Boom agreed. I think it's very unreasonable of him, actually, Providence circa 11th century said. This is a place of learning. All these ghastly brains do is think up ways to disturb the natural order. "'He's in the wrong line of work, the poor dear,' Foom sympathised. "'I tried to tell him that once,' Provenant Circa 11th Century said. "'Do you know what he told me?' Her voice shifted to a very good imitation of the gaffer's ponderous diction. "'Someone's got to keep an eye on them, Circa!' she tittered. "'Well, he's right,' Foom said. "'Stupid people can more or less take care of themselves without supervision, "'as long as you keep all the sharp things on a high shelf. "'It's the clever ones you have to watch.'" "'Did the gaffer actually call you Circa?' Grief asked." "'He told me not to be familiar.' "'Of course he did,' Provenance Circa 11th Century said kindly. "'You've hardly earned it, have you, dear?' "'I have not,' Grief inclined his head. "'I appreciate you seeing me.' "'Goodness me, who's seeing you?' Provenance Circa 11th Century retorted with a wave of her upper left hand. "'I'm here to make sure my sister is treated fairly "'while we wait for the Thurisam authorities to come and deal with her. "'She's a dreadful criminal, you know, my sister.' "'Hello,' Boom said cheerfully.' "'Hello,' Grief replied, his voice sounding faint in his own ears. "'What's that?' he pointed at the furry scrap in her lower hands. "'It's an ice mink,' Voom explained. "'It's skin, anyway. Nasty little buggers they are. "'Native to Thurisheim, but a bit of a pest when they get up into the orbital stations "'and start breeding and chewing on the conduits. "'Toughest leather I've ever worked with, but if you cure it in just the right way, "'it's wonderfully soft and durable. "'But there's really no way to speed up the process, "'just a lot of teasing and stretching and folding.'" She's been working on that piece for almost a month, "'Provenance Circa 11th Century said. Would it be dreadful cheek on my part to suggest you can probably design a machine to do the same thing that your hands are doing, Grief said. It would be a dreadful cheek, Voom said primly. But you wouldn't be wrong. The leather workers down on Thursheim have massive production lines. You drop a mink in one end, and a few weeks later you get a nice pad case or a pair of mittens out the other. But that's not exactly a craft, Grief said, obligingly. Not at all, Voom agreed. There's something about doing a job with one's own hands, but sometimes you need to... scale up? She glanced at him, her strange multi-jointed ears opening and rising in a wry query. Don't you? Yes. Grief spotted the analogy, which admittedly they were laying on almost heavily enough to be insulting. Sometimes there are just too many ice minks for any one person to make into mittens, and so the best idea is to call upon people who are very good at making ice minks into mittens and hope they'll be able to help. Also, there are those pesky animal rights groups who are trying to save the ice minks because they like it when the ice minks get into the power conduits and chew on stuff. Some people just refuse to believe ice minks are a pest, Boom sympathised. It's my hope that you agree with me, Grief said, that ice minks have gone beyond simply being a pest, and the sooner they're all turned into mittens, the better. If we come out of this as joint owners of an actual ice mink mitten factory, Babs, I shall be very put out, Provenance circa 11th century warned. "'My sister is very concerned,' Boom explained. "'You know that taking on a group dedicated to the preservation of a cute, furry little animal... "'Well, you understand, it just doesn't look good.' "'I think I'm still following,' Grief said. "'Although it's getting more and more difficult to connect it to the lucrative field of mink farming "'without thinking that it might actually be a pretty good investment.' "'The Molran fleet and Astrocorps would like to get their hands on something,' Provenant, Circa 11th Century said. "'And if they do, they'll be in a position to look the other way "'if the Gazor Major Syndicate were to run into trouble.' You, of course, would not be involved in any way, either with the acquisition of said thing, or with any trouble that might befall the Gazor Major Syndicate." She reached into her greatcoat and pulled out a small control pad. "'Babs, tell him!' I was telling him. He was getting lost. "'Tell him in little tiny words,' Providence Circa 11th Century advised." She frowned at the controller in her hands. "'I'm going to close off the sound transmission to the corridor, just in case you criminal sorts have anything to say that I shouldn't hear,' she added, and pressed a button. "'There! I shouldn't be able to hear you now!' she went on, raising her voice a little. "'Yes, but we can still hear you, Circa,' Boom said, her mouth and hand movements exaggerated. "'You'll still be able to hear me, but I can't hear you!' Providence Circa, 11th century, boomed. "'Is this how you've maintained the distance between your respective worlds for all these hundreds and thousands of years?' grief asked. "'Disappointing, isn't it?' Boom said. "'There's something I want you to steal for us.' Go on. A ship named the Flesh Eater, she said, belonging to a group called the Po Chain. She glanced across at him, taking in his dismayed expression. I understood you were an accomplished thief, and non violent, your intense dislike of ice minks notwithstanding. Oh, yes, no, that's true, Grief said. I was rather hoping to enlist the help of the Po Chain in this, that's all. Well, you'll just have to try not to get caught then, won't you? Boom responded. And now I will take my leave, Circa announced, thankfully in a quieter voice. Grief wondered if her fumbling of the cell interfaces was all part of her well-meaning elderly lady act. The police will be here in perhaps twenty minutes. Excuse me, Grief said, and turned to Voom when the Mulren turned and swept confidently off down the corridor. What's she talking about, please? Circa was obligated to notify the authorities of your arrival, and your no doubt nefarious interaction with me, her notorious criminal sister, Voom explained calmly. And returned her full attention to the scrap of furry leather in her lower hands. "'When the gaffer had you taken into custody, "'the only recourse of a law-abiding Mulren was to turn me in as well.' "'Oh. "'Of course, if you, a likewise notorious criminal, thief, and escape artist, "'were to break out and liberate me at the same time, "'she could not be held accountable,' Boom went on. "'And if I don't,' Grief guessed, "'you and I will both be taken to Thursheim and accused of all sorts of crimes.' Provenance circa 11th century would likely also be brought up on charges as an accomplice. Indeed, Boom said, and skin switch and ignominy would follow as surely as mittens follow pesky, pesky minks. It would be a dreadful scandal and would spell the end of the wicked sisters. I can scarcely imagine it. They weren't just using him to preserve the illusion, Grief realized. They were testing his talents and his resolve. If he failed, he had no doubt Provenance circa 11th century would find a way to get out with her mulranity intact. Perhaps they would both simply vanish into myth and legend for a few hundred years. He, however, would vanish in a far more direct and permanent manner. "'Well, I'd better get us out of here,' he said, and stood up. He gestured politely at the corridor. "'Unless you'd like to—' "'Oh, I'm sorry, pet,' Boom said. "'This mink isn't going to tan itself!' "'Of course.' Grief stepped over to the still invisible seam between the transparent wall panels and probed at it delicately with his fingers. He wanted to break out of the cells without having to take off his security sheath, if he could. Not because he was shy, but because it would be more impressive. After I steal this uh, flesh eater, I hope I'll see you and your sister again, he said, as he worked. Oh no, we'll make arrangements, Vroom said. Our people will be in touch with your people, that sort of thing. I'm not sure I have people, he admitted. Oh, you simply must get some people grief, Vroom insisted. They're ever so useful. I'll have to look into it. He crouched, feeling for the floor level seam and the tiny ridge of the polarity transformer. Yes, a few strategic pinches in the transformer, and it would short out in an attempt to make the already transparent panel transparent again, and that would trigger the emergency lockdown. At first glance that was worse than the current situation, but in lockdown there was a second short out he could force on the toilet. It was all a bit amateurish, and there was a non-zero risk that the toilet system would regurgitate sewage, which would be extremely embarrassing but he was certain the security system's waste tanks were as empty and spotless as the cells themselves. Even so, if I prove to be an asset, I hope we might continue our collaboration and build on a possible alliance. Oh no dear, this is just a cameo, Boom told him apologetically. You couldn't afford us for your whole story. Podcasting service provided by Anchor. Introductory music provided by Anchor. It was called House of Grendel, so I had to use it. Original music composed by Oliver St. John, with a little bit of help from various Strausses. You can find all of my books on Amazon under the name Andrew Hindle, and you can find the blog that this whole podcast came from at www.hatboy.blog. That's it. That's the credits.